Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's talking about. time for Mortgage Matters. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another, another live edition of Mortgage Matters. <laughs> another. Another one. Here we are, ready to go. Morning. We are so happy you're with us. Just getting settled in here. Want to remind you that you're tuned in most likely to News Talk 920 KVC. KVC's expanded. Now you can listen to us on uh, 96.5 FM, which Jim yeah. and I were discussing before the show, that it's it's going to have better reach up in the North County, right. possibly on the North Coast. Exactly. From so, what I understand, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's better here and actually here in our hometown, San Luis, and then also, uh, but also north of the grade, probably out more to Shandon. If it's better, better here, mm-hmm. and then it's better in North County, yeah, it sounds like it might just be better <laughs> yeah. in general. Yeah, does it not reach okay. in the south? It does get county? into the South County, but it gets a little spotty once you get past Roy Grandy. So I see. it's I more a, like the North County. I have a card over here uh-huh. to remind me of that. Uh-huh. News Talk nine twenty and the new FM ninety six five. Yep, we'll have to start saying KVEC. That all the time. It's no longer just it's no longer just nine twenty. FM 96.5. No. And then you can order. It doesn't have a very good ring yeah, to it, does it? Yeah. I'm gonna, <laughs> I can say I'm that because I don't, wor- I don't work yeah. here. And see if we can make it flow a little better. Good stations usually end in one or three or yeah. something if yeah. you're, or nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be like better like FM 92, but anyway, but it's nine, FM 96. Well, why not 96.5 FM? Well, I'm okay. Used, I'm used to saying the AM or FM oh, after. Oh, uh, okay. All right. AM 920? Um, That's how I say that. 920 KVC. You're 920 AM? I just say 920 KVC. I think so. Oh, let's see. Okay. You'd be confusing me like it was starting in the morning. Uh-huh. At nine twenty a.m. and then the, the, the maybe if that's all I said, but yeah. if you heard it in the context, it might actually make sense. Yeah. And to further convolute <laughs> it, you know, we, to further convolute it is AM nine twenty KVEC, FM ninety six five KVEC, and nine twenty KVEC dot com. Ah. So you can listen on the ah. internet too. So there How it about is. An app, and we have the KVEC. We app. have the apps too. All There's right, really we've exceeded no the maximum amount of time of nonsense about the, the call <laughs> the, channel here. The new frequency. No, there's yeah. absolutely no excuse that you yeah. should miss an episode. Because we right. also That's post right. it on our website every single is. week. Yeah. By about Tuesday, you got oh, it up there. And then we put it yeah. on Facebook. I mean, yeah. it's everywhere. We yeah. are everywhere. Yeah. We're just, we're just, you guys just got the globe covered here. <laughs> there it we, is. we fell yeah. off for a couple of weeks of not posting them on the um but we're website. caught up now. We got yeah. that all figured out. Yeah. Well, and I got several emails of people wondering what happened, and it's, mm. it is nice to know because yeah. this is one of those things you don't get a lot of feedback on. Yeah, you do the job of putting it on and you host it. Mm. Part of you thinks, "Who in the world would listen to this?" Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you you know 
miss a week or two of putting it on and multiple people say, hey, how can you stop putting it on? It's like, yeah. oh, good. There yeah. really are people that are enjoying <laughs> was, that. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah. a matter of, One guy know, told me he likes to put it on before he goes to the gym. Wow. Like, man, if that's what inspires you on the treadmill, Good workout mortgage means. talk here. Uh, Binge yeah. listen. Yeah, we just got our computers talking to each other once again. That's what it was. They wouldn't talk to each other. Right, yeah. Technical difficulties. Fantastic. (laughs) Um, This is not the last Mortgage Matters of 2016. We've got one more. We've got one more. So next week we'll bring some of the predictions, I think. Did we go back and look? How did we not? What did you say? Well, I don't know. Things I probably missed that show. <laughs> you weren't you were not here. It was Mike Points and I for the prediction show last Predictions year. episode. Yeah. Where it's our annual get everything wrong show. Right. And I think we were on pace to be really wrong about everything and then this election turned Helped. the the stocks and the bond market and everything upside down. So I think possibly our predictions might have might have been you missed, in the ballpark. you missed the Two Turtle Dove show, too. Oh, yeah. Did you did that last yeah. week? Yes. Yeah. You know, <sighs> that's what I get. That's what you get. Because that's what I get. Because <laughs> this week I came across the article of the 12 Days of Christmas inflationary measure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, you know what? I read it. I enjoyed it. I didn't clip it because, you know, that's a Dan thing. I'm not going to step on Dan's toes. And this morning when I was in the shower, I was like, I hope Dan brought that. Well, I remember the big news was those darn turtle doves are really expensive this year. They went from 275 to 390 Yeah, for two. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, what do they do? Do they produce eggs that are delicious or what? What? Exactly, does a turtle dove No, it's provide? just because of status. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just a pretty... It's status. Pretty bird. And by the way, yeah, <laughs> as a as a guy that's... I'm a deal maker, and I love feeling like I get a good deal. I know where we can get 12 drummers drumming for way cheaper than <laughs> the drummers they're buying. You know, even at the local farmer's market here, there's oftentimes a drum circle in the summer that happens off, you know, um, in that... Well, there's not even a parking lot there anymore. Mm. The old slow brew... The new old slow brew? Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was funny. It's got to be kind of difficult to find 12 drummers drumming. And you're going to end up with like a, a ring full of hippies drumming at, at probably for free. Or you're going to pay quite a bit more. Uh-uh. So all in all, though, what was the <laughs> final measure on the 12 days of Christmas? It's slightly more expensive, but not much. Yeah, it went up. I want to say it was about 0.7% year-over-year inflation. Man, I think that was roughly it. What was interesting, though, was it was only three of the 12 gifts had gone up in value. The healthcare. No, no, no. uh, That's not one of the gifts. Oh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was. um, Because several of the gifts in my life have gone up this year, too, and that that was one of them. I think it was Maids of Milking and Lords of Leaping were the other ones. It had to do with labor. Sure, labor's increased a little bit. But it was those, yeah, there was only three. The other nine had either stayed the same or actually decreased in price, but overall the metric was up, and mostly because of those turtle doves. Yeah. <laughs> For all those that don't 
consume turtle doves. This is like the minus food and energy. Yeah. Maybe we should swap out the turtle doves for blue jays this year or something. Something, something more common. Yeah. And there's only two of them. And they're early in the song. So, yes, they get repeated the second most of any item in the song. But if they were swapped out with something like yeah. a... I know where we could find some seagulls real cheap. Yeah. Um, right out by my house. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of those guys. I know. Right mm. by my house, too. And, Speaking yeah. of by your house... You Moro Bay lands in the media this week with a murder? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Sounds like a domestic issue. Yeah. yeah. Of some kind. Yeah. Yep. Sleepy little Moro Bay. We get. Ooh, well, I don't know. If, page every now and then, too. I don't know if you guys have been seeing it in the media lately, but um, North County gas stations and little, like, small businesses have been mm. getting robbed at gunpoint, like, weekly lately. Seen that. And it's one so ones you wouldn't think too, like a donut shop and things I like had that. To, you know? I had to go down to Costco in Santa Maria last week, and I was I was looking around because I know mm. when you go to Santa Maria, there's a good chance you're going to get stabbed. But um, <laughs> this guy. Well, anyway, it seems that crimes and stuff are um, being on the uptick, committed more frequently. A disturbing trend. Mm-hmm. Hopefully 2017 reverses all of that. Hopefully. I brought up in, in vain of your uh, predictions episode, mm-hmm. which I really do think we should make an effort to dig out this week and see how close you got. Because I, I, I can only imagine you suggested that rates would likely go up over the course of the year. I think so. Right? Yeah. And so how wrong you were. Up until that well, because, um, first week of November. Because this time last year, I was still, I was believing that we were poised for three to four rate hikes this year. We were told? That's, that was that's the what expectation we were at the time. That's what it seemed like we were ready for. And, and can we call it zero, it by the way? Rate zero hikes what? in 2016? I think so. Because they did that one well, in December of 2015. I'm, I'm still on the board for one this year. I, I believe this month we're going to have one. Oh, from what I read, it's it, absolute no doubter. It's and an three, all but a done deal, right? Yeah, three of the Fed officials have basically assured that in the last week being out speaking, that you're getting a rate hike next week. I mean, the market's already moved. The rate, the actual announcement of a rate hike is... Did you? It's not going to do much to markets. It will raise, however, if you have an equity line or anything tied to the prime interest rate, right. that will likely follow suit and go up. Yesterday was, um, obviously it was Friday, but it was also the day after uh, the CCL Christmas party. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I got some real positive feedback. We did a really good job. Good. Um, the 10-year yesterday made another little sprint to 2.46. Yeah, I saw 4.7 seven for a lot of the... Yeah, it's it's approaching 2.5%. Um, it's getting up there. Where's my clip it? You know what happened yesterday? As far as economic news? I yeah. Just like, it's a pretty light week, jobless claims. Yeah, it was light week here on domestic soil, so we had plenty of time to focus. Yesterday... Where did it go? See, I should have been more prepared. Um, the ECB. Anyway, they decided that they're going to cut out some um, stimulus that they've been going. And they. it was strange. Again, I saw some stuff talking about 
polling and what was expected. And I read an article on Thursday that said the market's calmed down a little bit um, after somebody gave a little a little public talk saying that they would likely keep these um, these austerity plans in place till later. And then all of a sudden, there you go. On Friday, it was announced that they were going to start pulling out. And so now basically what we're seeing is across the pond, it's starting to head into that place too where rates are probably going to start going up. And so then that just was like, hey, U.S. has just been waiting for a friend to hop in this sandbox. Yeah. Hmm. And so there you go. We had another little... Um, run up yesterday and in, in what's probably going to lead to higher rates here. I mean, it's it'll be interesting next week when we when we do mortgage matters next Saturday, we'll have, of course, the Fed meeting, which is going to be it's on the 13th and 14th. And so we're going to have that to be able to discuss and um, we'll see. But um Man, by most of the things we look at, it sounds like the economy is still doing pretty good. Um, Do you know, has, has Trump announced his nominee for Missouri secretary? Yeah, he's the, it's a weird name, Mnuchin or something, Munchin. Mm-hmm. It's the, he's a, he's currently part of the Goldman Sachs um, investment firm. Okay. And so, yeah, that's, that's the nomination. Even though he didn't fund the campaign? Ironic, is, isn't it? What is this guy thinking? Uh, ironic. Wow. Yeah. Goldman, Goldman and Sachs was a three, big donor. Three of those Goldman Sachs guys are being nominated for various cabinet positions. Mm. Mm. Okay. Drain the swamp. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> kind of. A little bit. <laughs> wow. Well, we already did the political show. We're done with that. Uh, you don't want to talk about it now? No. No. We're done with that. How about this? I mean, as long as you you brought it up, you brought up cabinet picks. Here's one that's Ben re- Carson, real close to home. I'm kind of I just with most things that are being announced right now, I'm just I'm just I, I feel like I'm in a movie theater and I'm just watching. I'm like, wow, how's this going to end? This is going to be interesting. Um. And yeah, Ben Carson got picked for the chief of housing and urban development, HUD. I think that might be a good choice, actually. Ah, man, I I have trouble with a um, neurosurgeon who's afraid of large bureaucracies um, to be Mm -hmm. leading a large bureaucracy. Wasn't it when he was being rumored to to be part of what was it? Attorney? What's what's the like? lead healthcare guy in the country. It's not attorney general. No, no if the, you wouldn't the, have said attorney general, yeah. I could have said it right away. Surgeon general. Surgeon general. Surgeon general. Thanks, so he Jim. Was, there was some discussion that that might be a good fit for him. And then when that was being discussed all over the news, there was these like, you know, they grab a little snippet of some Ben Carson quote here. And, it, and he was basically saying that he didn't want that job. He didn't feel comfortable. Um, you know, he'd never, he'd never run a large bureaucracy and didn't feel comfortable with that which kind of seems silly that he'd even try to run for president if that's what he really felt but then here he is you know getting tapped for another um section of the government one that i'm i feel like you got to have some kind of experience does he know anything about 
housing or urban development. I know that we've done a lot of loans for doctors who don't know a lot about mortgages at all. They they know a lot about the human body, but <clears throat> if we go <laughs> about mortgages and if you try to go stuff. right down the middle on this and leave out some of the really weird things he said and um, kind of whole bunch of strange occurrences and just look a little bit more as to um, what it is he might do. Um, I mean, the comment he said when he was basically put on Facebook when he was announcing that he was accepting the, the position said that he thinks he can make a significant contribution, particularly in making our inner cities great for everyone. Mm. And so that's where I just, I just, okay, kind of sit up away from the computer for a second and say, okay, Mr. Um, Mr. HUD secretary, gotcha. What are you going to do in, what is the, what does the HUD guy do that makes inner cities better? And the only thing it reminds it reminded me immediately of the last time government sort of ordered making um, more lenient guidelines or some way that you could increase and promote home ownership, especially to underserved populations. And we haven't really seen or heard a whole lot of that dabbling. Since that was going on in the, you know, the kind of the late 90s and early 2000s area. And so I just kind of wonder about that. And it it sort of left me thinking that I'm not convinced I understand how much control and influence there is anyway. Um, HUD oversees, I mean, as it as it most closely will impact us, I think HUD oversees FHA. Right. And so FHA, they've been in the headlines quite a bit lately because their insurance premiums are extremely high. They really can't dumb down their underwriting standards anymore. They're the most tolerant of any credit blemish, high debt-to-income ratio, low credit score, and and um, combinations of of kind of the perfect storm of who you might want to take pause and not loan to. Oh, you you had a bankruptcy two years ago. You have current past due accounts, a very small down payment, a high debt to income ratio. Um, we have just a loan for you. This, this is the only loan of all of the loans we offer. The FHA loan is the one that still... You kind of look at it and roll your eyes a little bit at who's able to get an FHA loan. It almost has no minimum credit profile. Um, yet the program today, if you've been following the headlines about HUD and the FHA for the last few months, the mortgage insurance is very high. Um, two years ago, they made a change where the mortgage insurance premium now will last for the life of the loan, where you put less than 10% down. So... Um, most people that get FHA are, are going to have life of loan mortgage insurance. And the program is now being overfunded right now. The mortgage insurance premiums have the loss reserves in FHA are so high that they get together and they talk about, well, it might be time to reduce these premiums or do something. And, um, you know, just in fact, I was expecting sometime in December we were going to hear that they were going to come and have to cut the either the upfront cost down or the monthly mortgage insurance costs down a little bit because it's got it's running at a surplus and it's getting to a point where the the heart of this program is geared towards helping first time home buyers and people that have affordability and qualification issues being able to have an opportunity to buy a home. So if it's sort of 
charging a premium for mortgage insurance, it's being a little more exclusive than it's intended to. You got to figure out how to kind of cut it out. So I look at, I was kind of thinking about it from all that standpoint. What is he going to do? Yeah. What else do you do? As you were saying all that, I said, wow, man, I'm listening to a guy who really knows a lot about mortgages. And I think about the guy who's going to lead the department, (laughs) who has absolutely no expertise or experience in housing policy, mortgage and this is and uh, so i don't get it i mean how many times in the last eight years as fha has revised and tweaked and redone and you know changed its program how many times have you read statements from david stevens the secretary of hud most of the time a lot right and so now we're going to be reading things from this guy who's supposed to oh i was going to finish your (laughs) sentence most of the time i would read the statement from the acting secretary and say this dude's out of touch I keep waiting for one of the one one time sometime soon here somebody's going to call us and say hey you guys know an awful lot about this loan thing <laughs> will you help us we need to we need to craft some rules here you know I mean, or, feel- or at least understand what's going on I'm looking back to the beginning of my mortgage career and it took a while to really grasp how the whole thing worked I mean it's one thing just to understand how a loan gets sure. started and funded, you know, goes through the process and funds, but there's so much more to it beyond just the loan process. And not only that, he's, I mean, that's just one part of HUD. There's, there's the, um, you know, identifying districts that are affordable and all the, you know, analyzing all that Humda data, which is, there's this um, data that's required to be captured on every loan to understand the where loans and are being made, where real estate's being sold, who's buying it, and trying to identify some of those um, those demographics of, of the people that are transacting. Um, so there's that side of it to learn as well. It's going to take a while for for an inexperienced person to learn all those facets of of both the real estate and the mortgage side of housing. Not to mention just running the department, which is a a department that operates on a budget just shy of $50 billion a year. I mean, this is no small task. Um, yeah. It's it's an interesting choice, to say the least. Well, it's funny. If you go look at, like, just Google the term Ben Carson, HUD secretary, and you'll end up, like, one of the first pops that you see is on the CNN site, okay? And the CNN site manages to say... This guy's a moron, and so is the president, so what did you expect? Then you can click through and find, um, like, look at this one on the Hill that attempts to break down what it would mean to have Ben Carson as the HUD secretary. I'll, re- I'll read you the bolds, and you you give me the quick thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, address America's affordable housing crisis. Oh, okay, that needs help. We keep, we keep, we know, I mean, I go to all these meetings here in slow. I'm on a couple of different committees and I see, I see these things. We talk about this all the time. We need to create workforce housing. We need to create affordable housing. We need to create opportunities for first time homebuyers. Perfect. And your idea for doing this is take the profits from the developer is usually pretty quick. Charge an affordable housing fee. Yeah. Okay. It's a big task, but that's number one on the list. This is what, by the way, just to remind you, this is these are the things, um, the highlights of what Ben Carson could do as secretary. 
Number two, build affordable housing in places with affordable transportation. Got it. Take the tough task of figuring out how to do affordable housing and, and now pigeonhole it into places that also have affordable transportation. Got it. Eliminate barriers to investment and deinvestment communities. Um, those are big words. I not positive how the dude again you know take a page from your book this expert in in neurosurgery here is going to be real good at uh, identifying investment and de-investment areas to focus on that by the way need affordable housing with affordable transportation um realize that federal investments can be a tool for economic growth i'm only on number four and you're already like glazing um <laughs> Help communities remain resilient to natural hazards. Create more housing choices. Support walking. Don't cut the safety net. Um, That's the final one. Don't cut the safety net is that HUD provides a crucial safety net um, to make sure individuals don't end up sleeping in the the street. Um, it It comes to me at the whole end of the thing. It's like... One of the ways, if you ever had a conversation about, hey, this guy, Trump, might really win the presidency, you would have found me saying things like, well, thank God one guy doesn't run the country, and he's going to make some really significant appointments around him of knowledgeable people that will fill in all the gaps of the things he lacks. So I saw Ben Carson for HUD secretary and was like, oh, uh, we didn't exactly pull on the, you know, grab the black book and find the most knowledgeable housing expert we knew. Okay. I guess we'll just... Face we'll, <laughs> Yeah. We're going to see how this one goes, too. Right on. And maybe, maybe there's more... Um, maybe there's something else coming, which is going to reassure all of us that this is a, a great pick. But, yeah, it, it is relevant. Hey, he's a neurosurgeon. He's got to be a very smart oh, person. So let's for, um, hope that I, he can get this... Figured out. Same kind of thing. How does your college degree help you in what you do for a living? It um, doesn't. But my my. But you learn some critical thinking skills. <laughs> Bear with me for a minute. Okay. You learn some we'll, critical thinking we'll skills. You learn how. You learn how to solve problems and work with people and think about things from different ways. You all of these different skills that yes, you're. It's not exactly, especially if you got your degree in animal husbandry and now you're managing like a sales line at a pharmaceutical company. But you know, you learned all these things that hopefully some of those tools are in the old quiver of tools there, and you can draw from them as needed. I just am hoping now that his. Um, radical ability to to learn and be a pioneer and do great yeah. things will also translate here into um the loan biz with cameras everywhere everything's recorded at all yeah. times i would love to see the first conversation when we're talking ltvs and dtis and <laughs> all these acronyms of mortgage when ben carson's eyes just go Oh, you know what? Yeah. You know what, though? I'll tell you one of the first ones I recall watching was um, Alan Greenspan sitting before the House Financial (laughs) Committee, and he's like, uh... I had no idea there was negative amortization loans, and and everybody else, like thus that that were in this business, were looking at this testimony, going, "Oh my God, this guy is clueless." Not that he was 
clueless economically, but he certainly had no idea what was really going on within the banking industry. All right. We need to do a commercial break. So here we go. We'll do a quick commercial break. We'll be back in a few minutes for more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KBEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 01839608. NMLS number 328358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Welcome, everybody. We don't have time to listen to that whole song. <laughs> like five minutes from now, we're still sitting here in the break. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you're on a road trip and the kids want to sing the 99 bottles of beer on the wall song. Uh. <laughs> I mean, and I want to be the cool dad that's like does what the kids want, but I'm like, no, nah, we're not. No, I will lose my mind by like 88. In the um, I would like to remind all the listeners that you can call in to ask a question. Mm-hmm. We're here. We're live. We'd love to hear from you. 543-8830. 543-8830. Or if you're kind of on the outskirts or maybe just out of the area in general, you can call us at 800-549-5832. 800-549-KVEC. Scrolled the rest of the way across my page here where I had my notes about the um, European Central Bank. 
The governing council decided to reduce the amount of monthly asset purchases after March 2017. Um, So they're doing a a reduction that's going to phase out through December of 2017. They're doing a tapering? Yeah. Hmm. That move encouraged investors to bid yields lower at the front end of the eurozone curves. This, of course, is the part I wanted to tie you into. This, of course, renewed the debate. So, what's your name then? Oh, you're on the air, Jim. Your mic's on. Right. Sorry, what was the name again? Your mic's on. Ron, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe his headphones are off. There we go. There we go. I'm just taking a call. (laughs) Got it. Um, Round out my thought real quick. Um, This sparked a new debate about how long the New York Fed will continue to purchase agency MBS. So you remember as part of the whole thing that the Fed's bought a couple trillion dollars worth of mortgage-backed securities. I think it's like $3 trillion. Continuing to reinvest. Yeah. Runoff, I believe. 5 to $10 billion a week. That's our Fed? That's what they're reinvesting. And so this is happening because people sell their home and they pay off their loan that's in one of the securities or... They um, refinance and get a new loan, um, or they just pay it off. And so when those monies come in, it's been agreed to that they'll reinvest that money back into the mortgage-backed securities market to keep to keep it thawed. Remember, the big effort was to thaw it. And so um, in this case, it, now we're starting to say, hey, well, there still is that 20 to $40 billion a month of stimulus that's coming into this that's keeping rates low. Is that going to be around forever, too? Mm, and now people not. are beginning to say, hey, what, what, what may happen to those monies next year under the new presidency? Will they continue? Will we keep these policies in place? And certainly nobody knows. And so that's one of the things that's caused these yields and rates to start uh, moving higher. Mm-hmm. We've got two callers waiting on the line. We'll take them in order. We'll start with Ron in Pismo. Hi. Morning, Ron. I'm originally from Detroit. I know the area where Dr. Ben grew up. And a man who lived in Detroit public housing for a number of years until his divorced mother could afford an apartment knows something about public housing. And I think the criticism of Dr. Ben is totally unjustified. He certainly knows more about public housing than what Nancy Pelosi knows about or these other rich babes that are in government today. Uh, Dr. Ben is smart. Uh, He learns very fast. Uh, When he was young, he lived in an area where the Detroit Public Library was. Uh, I have uh, my wife originally came from that area, and uh, these people uh, know something about housing, uh, and they are, they're achievers. And I think, Dr. Ben, you listen to him, uh, you, you can see how fast he learns things. And I think there's a misconception in this country that uh, you, uh, just because you're smart, you, you, can't, you can only learn one thing, like neurosurgery. But Dr. Ben is a product uh, that shows that you can uh, learn a lot of things very quickly. And actually, the world, when you simplify it, is not that complex. That's a, Ron, thanks for the call and the, the perspective and insight. Um, appreciate it. I, and, I, and I think you're right. Let's jump over to Chuck in San Luis Obispo. Good morning, Chuck. Good, good morning. Uh, you were talking about affordable housing. Uh-huh. And uh, the uh, cost to a contractor uh, to 
uh, waive the uh, the fees or the not waive the fees, I guess waive the uh, uh, thought that he had to build affordable housing when he was building other housing along uh-huh. with it. Uh, just last week, doubled in price. I'm not positive. I know I heard it on the radio. I'm not positive that I heard the truth, but it went from 1500 and something per unit to 3000 something per unit uh, at a city, uh, San Luis Obispo City Council meeting last week. Huh. And I'm sure that I heard it. As I say, I don't know that it's true, but I would assume that it is. And, and uh, you're talking about like a, the affordable housing fee per unit? Yes, but you can uh, waive that if you put up enough money. It well, there's a, be, is that the in lieu? There's fee? an in lieu fee that yeah. you can pay that then go puts money into the affordable housing fund, which yeah. then is is used to create yeah. other opportunities. So and it doubled the fee. What? My understanding is that the fee currently is set at seventy five cents per square foot for residential construction, and that has not been raised since uh, two thousand eight. Uh, that's uh, yes. They mentioned something about 2008 that it hasn't been raised. They did not yeah. mention the 75 cents. Per well, square and foot, so uh, these are the um, Chuck. Thank you. I, I appreciate you welcome. calling and and giving us fodder to have further discussion. Here's the challenge to it. Okay, and and one of the boards that I'm a part of, we have these discussions regularly, and I'm one of the guys. I'm one of the only people in the room that does housing finance for a living the board because I, I think it's important it's the san luis obispo chamber of commerce the economic development committee committee and then we yeah and we oftentimes meet with the affordable housing committee okay so there's it's kind of a joint meeting but when we talk about these things it's it's it always comes back to those same things we this is a this is a truth we know that we need to create more affordable housing opportunities and so i challenge anybody if you think you have a great idea as to how to do it Bring it forward because we get together oftentimes with 40 plus people in the room and brainstorm these things to a point. You ever try to solve a problem so long that your your head starts just getting spongy and nothing seems to, you can't get anything new out of it, but nothing sounds good either. This is how these things end up for me. But here's the deal. Some developer will come in and say, oh, we're going to. We're going to, we want to do this affordable housing. And then what we're going to do is we're going to sell these. If you'll give us lower fees or do whatever, let us exceed the height restriction, whatever the pitch is for this particular project is going to allow them to bring it to market for cheaper. That sounds a little bit too altruistic to me because I've seen how people in general, um, and we could poll the last. 1,000 people who sold homes in San Luis Obispo or Morro Bay, whatever, take the sampling wherever you want it. You know how we come up with the price of what your house is going to sell for? We'll look at what homes recently sold for, and we attempt to price in there in a way that is representative of what we know the, we best suspect the value is mathematically, and then we make some tweaks for the marketability factors of what your project is and you know if your house has an ocean view or whatever nice feature that might make it a little more attractive than what the what the line might come out to $290 a square foot and that's going to yield this price whatever um i don't see developers coming up with that number going hey well the market would bear 750 but i moved we're going to put these on for 660 because we need more affordable housing. 
it's a it's you have a you have this tug of war here between these developers that and they're and by the way we're, I'm not asking for the phone calls to tell us how greedy and crappy they all are because I know a lot of them and they're not. Um, these guys are business guys and it's what they do for a living, right, wrong, or otherwise. It's the skill set they learn and what they do. I'm most of the time. You go put one of these projects to market in hopes of um, just not losing money, you know, like and if you could make a margin, like from what I understand, a 10 or 15 percent profit margin on being able to risk all these millions of dollars and your whole company and personal guarantees and all these things to bring a project to market where you might be able to make a 10 percent profit Um and that's if the economy holds under you. If it takes five years for you to go from conception to selling these houses, as we all know, five years can make a pretty big difference in a um, the the life of a local housing economy. So anyway, point is, um, I only see with all of these fees and the the in lieu fees. Um, getting into conversation again this week, should they go up and create more funds? Um, th- you, you now you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. And if you exact this fee, then what happens is that the rest of the fees in the let's say I'm a developer and I have a hundred units, and I'm gonna I'm gonna either create some affordable units like ten, or I'm gonna pay in lieu fees. All of that's gonna go into the bottom line, and that's gonna be paid for by the people that are gonna buy the homes. And those then influence, those become the new comparable sales for all the other homes in town. So you know that the saying, the rising tide lifts all boats? That's like making the tide rise to put these additional fees on it. And again, I'm not saying that it's wrong. I know there are cases where they're successful, but it's a very complicated thing. And it's a we all recognize that it's something that we need to do. The only way I see that they really work very well is with deed restricted opportunities. So you take a project, you and you make it afford income restrictive. Yeah, but then also deed restrictive, where I restrict the deed. If I give you this unit, the like the ones in Rancho de Tolosa over here on Los Osos Valley Road, some of those in there, people have the opportunity to buy them for two hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and it's a thirty year deed restriction where. You can't sell at market value during that period. So it allows the project then to take the unit back and sell it to somebody else that meets the income requirements of um, the affordable housing standards, and they're able to buy it. Um, But deed restrictions, I mean, you've been in the loan business long enough to know that deed restrictions now have pretty – it's very difficult to do loans for projects that are deed restricted. And then additionally, what you're growing is a bigger influence with more housing under government control that, I mean, I'd ag- like- again, it's, it's a complicated thing. And, and I'll go back to where I first started. If you've got, if you think you have a solution that is really going to help with this, I want to see you at some of these committee meetings because we're all racking our brains trying to figure out how it is that we solve some of these problems because everybody agrees we need more affordable housing. Sure. Let's take a pause here and we'll jump over to the phone lines. We've got Dan calling in San Luis Obispo. Good morning, Dan. Hey, guys. Great conversation. 
Um, I think uh, I just want to contribute one thought. Sure. And I did, and I don't go to the meetings because uh, it's kind of one of those things where like um, I, it's it's a it's a very touchy thing for me. But I think I have something to contribute. Sure. Um, I build all over the county, and I think if you were to take a quick spreadsheet, which I have, uh, comparing our different jurisdictions in our county and outside our county, you would find that the city of San Luis is in some ways triple to quadruple the cost of the cost, the soft cost of building in the city. Yeah. And so it's kind of one of the things like when you want to solve a problem, the first thing you do is look at yourself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think as a city, if we were to start thinking that way, we might find some solutions internally um, that could go a long way. Um, when you build in the city of St. Louis, you're spending less than 50% of your total development project is in the bricks and sticks and labor. That's crazy. So, when you, I mean, I can put a house up, a good, I just put one up, you know, just the other day in Morrill Bay, $330,000, 2,000 square foot house, nice house, semi-custom. But, you know, that ha- that has to go to market for $700,000 because of the other factors. Sure. So I'm always impressed that the bricks and sticks and labor are not as bad as you think in this area. They, they're still higher than other areas. But it's not that Well, bad. And, and what you're describing, though, is a part of a broader problem, too, where we keep talking about how come we can't see real wage growth. I'd love to see all those guys that work on those projects for you making more money. But if the brick sticks and labor aren't where the majority of the cost is, then if you want to give them all raises, that you need to sell that house for in the eight hundreds now. Yeah, and now yeah, you're, yeah, I, you know, so it, it's like I say, it's a, it's an incredible tug of war here between we recognize and realize that we need more affordable housing opportunity, and it's a very difficult thing to figure out how you actually get that to the ground. And maybe the answer is that you. You come out and you um, like what, one of the things that we talk about um, is you could then restrict and incent by size, right? So you maybe the um, if if the workforce housing is truly the the fourteen hundred square foot or smaller um, home, if we're talking like detached homes, um, mm-hmm. then maybe you could skew it you know the numbers enough on that side that you could incent people to build there but then you once you pull your head up from those spreadsheets and realize that you know the price per square foot on homes is it gets even harder to put an affordable project out when you start trying to build them much smaller unless you start right. building them much simpler right. and then you know it just it 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 honestly it seems overwhelming i wish there was some uh real answer to it so well, I actually experimented last year and said, uh, can I put out a project, an infill project, you know, a little fill-in lot, make a 10% margin, and put it out there at an exciting price? And we attempted to put a product out there in low sixes in an infill project in, in the city of St. Louis. And it was a three-bedroom, two-bath, nice semi-custom. So we, we experimented. We said, we want to be able to do what happened? on a principal level. Um, <clears throat> through a series of events that I can't get into... Again, nothing to do with the bricks and sticks. Uh, I ended up having to put it out there for a hundred thousand dollars higher, which it sold, and that was to get a break-even situation. I thought you were going to so, tell me that you experienced a bidding war in which the consumer ended up no, pushing the price I actually beyond. I wanted to pre-sale it. I wanted to be able to get the experiment was to let someone buy it early, customize it at a price point. I still make money. They get a house. You know, to see if it could be done. And I think it can be. It's worth another try. But in that situation. 
we hit so many uh, non-direct cost impacts that were completely unforeseen that yeah. uh, drove the price sky high. I and mean, we just had to get out of it, you know, sell it at the top of the market just to get out. So in all of your experience and estimation, it sounds like the in at least for slow, what you're discussing is there's the conversation has to shift towards reducing the um, the soft costs of the project. We got to yeah, we got to stream like that because not only is it the actual cost of the checks you write, for instance, like you want to build a new home, the county might spend fifteen grand plus some school fees, and you want to build in the city, you're going to spend forty five thousand plus school fees. So. I mean, including school fees. There's a twenty thousand dollar delta typically, uh, but then the carrying costs of the timeline of processing to get to construction, you know, that's brutal too. So, so yeah, I think we look at ourselves first. So streamlining the process could be a yeah. huge cost savings. Huge. So yeah. here's, I, I'm so glad you're you're here because we have an experienced builder on the phone. We can talk numbers. I've got some numbers here in front of me. That county in lieu fee at seventy five cents a square foot. Um. So, over the year or uh, over the years it's been averaging those fees that are collected have been averaging between 50 and 80,000 dollars per year that seems like absolutely nothing that could help yeah. this affordable yeah. housing crisis um, yet here i'm talking you're you're talking about one home that you built in Morro Bay that's got i'm inferring from what you're telling me that it's got a couple hundred grand or more of soft costs in it um, well, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm talking about dirt value, I see. soft costs, um, uh, you know, permitting fees, architecture, engineering, you know, everything you do now, and this is state of California as well, um, you, there's a, basically it's hard to do a single project without a civil engineer, a soils engineer. You used to be all, you know, you used to be an art, a licensed architect and stamp his own plans and engineer it just a few years ago. Now you have a structural engineer, a civil engineer, a soils engineer, uh, Tile 24, you know, you got, there's there's seven consultants involved to generate one submittal package. So it's just everything has grown, you mm-hmm. know, exponentially in the last ten years. Um, so yeah, when I said non, I, I was including the land in that when I said it's over fifty percent. I see of the total development, and that land value is obviously part of the equation as well. It's inflated and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it's still when I when I look at annual revenue for this in lieu fee of fifty to eighty thousand, I look at that amount of money and what can that what can that do to make housing in the county affordable? Fifty thousand to eighty thousand dollars a year. I don't make you feel good that you're doing something. Right? Yeah, that's it. You can you can go to the public and say we're doing something, but when you really get down to the numbers, I don't know that a lot can be done with fifty to eighty thousand dollars. The the other the only other takeaway I have is well I do a lot of the under four unit so I don't deal a lot with the um, larger the multifamily the multifamily impact fees that they, that I I I you know not that I do it on purpose just to where my business is I steer I'm not in in that realm so I deal a lot with single family uh, fees and things like that so that's kind of where I'm focused on that average Joe schmo trying to build himself a house that's kind of my world and uh, that's that's where I'm speculating from that it's just gotten a little bit um, unreachable for the average person to do something affordable. Yeah. The track home thing is a little bit away from my expertise, but as far as what they pay. Yeah. So as as a builder, your, your thought process is leading you to, you know, streamline the process and and see what kind of other fees could be reduced to help bring costs down. Well, I have to start every conversation with a client that says, it's going to take us longer to get permission to build your home than it will take to build your home. Hmm. 
And that's on a concept level, that's troublesome to me. I don't know that that's anyone's fault. It's just the reality of where we are, you know. Yeah. Well, and and Dan, if we reduce the fees to you, aren't you just going to end up taking it as profit when the place gets (laughs) sold in the end by three competing buyers? Is that just ultimately going to benefit you? So we'll be in the same boat, but the money's not in the city coffers. It's in your pocket. You know, I've only been in this business for about full on as owner, you know, that for less than a decade. So I don't know those times where you were grabbing at 30% margins. I hear about them, but I'm, I would echo what you said earlier, 10%. If we can actually hold 10 and not turn it into two, we're, yeah. we're happy as a clam, you know? So to me, um, as far as my business, the way I think of my business, if I could get products out there at affordable prices, I would feel great. I wouldn't, we wouldn't be go- We're not going for top of market. We're going for sound projects. I think if there was a global change to bring the overhead cost down, then the competition would push it down. That's my – if I'm putting products out there $50,000 less than the next guy, he's going to have to match it. So I think it works both ways, potentially. I mean, I've never seen it pushed down, but, hmm. you know. That's interesting. Why, why wouldn't it? Yeah. Hey, Dan, we're getting uh, pretty close to our top-of-the-hour break, so we're going to have to bid you adieu here. Thanks for calling in. We appreciate yeah, your, thanks, your insight. That's Dan Ferreira of Ferreira Construction. Maybe he didn't want you to say that. Well, uh, I like the way he thinks, a, and I like, a, a, I like the way he does business. Yeah, he's a he's a young builder in the area, Cal Poly grad, right? Mm-hmm. And he's uh, we've seen some of the technology he uses to plan projects, pretty cutting-edge stuff. We've seen the projects. You can yeah, drive I've around town. Yeah, I've seen his signs all over the place. He's we need a, to get Dan back on as a guest. Yeah, he's a good guy. Indeed. So, um, Thanks for, for your input, Dan. We do appreciate it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here, and I'm, I'm seeing the fees that are – you know, basically what happens, builders have the opportunity to either make I, – I don't know what the percentage is now. I think it's 20, possibly 30% of the units in a certain size development have to be affordable housing units, or they can pay that in lieu fee. Fifty-eight to $80,000, what do you do with that? Buy land <laughs> right. and then give buy, it to people self-help housing. Buy a part housing. of a lot. Hey guys, we got at the top of the hour commercial break. We have a few minutes that will be out. We'll be back for a whole other hour's Mortgage Matters. Hope you will be too. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Mr. Grinch, you really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black heel. Welcome back, everyone. It's the 10 o'clock hour here at Mortgage Matters. Look down at your dial. If you're on 96.5 and you're wondering how you're hearing KVC, what are the odds, huh? Some people probably still do the seeker thing on the radio. Oh, I'm sure they do, yeah. Yeah, you can get us on FM now, too. So if you, or you, like for me, I mean, you guys, it sounds like everybody around here has real positive AM radio experience. I get this like mm-hmm. rolling fuzz, and then if I'm too I close to a power line or go through a tunnel, it sounds pretty bad. 
Um, and I associate that with an AM thing. So we sound really steadily on the FM too. I mean, oh, because like you know on the That's AM, what I was after. on the AM we're more like up here a little bit. You know, we're talking oh. a little higher. But on the FM is more down here a little bit, so we're actually you know right on. a little cooler. I think cooler. I wouldn't know. I don't. I don't <laughs> possess the yeah. uh, ability to listen to myself on the radio. Yeah, I can't do it. I've tried. I can't do it. Yeah, I could. I could. I could switch it over so we could hear, it, but it, it, it messes us. How up. can it be that your voice sounds so different in your head than it does? I don't know. Coming back through your ears. It's weird. I don't know. Um, so we've been having a good conversation about uh, affordable housing, all these kind of opportunities, hurdles, struggles, the desire for more affordable housing. Um, I had a pretty good summary this week compiled on existing home sales that looks back over this season. And I thought if you might just take a little stroll with me here through the last several months, we could talk a little bit about what existing home sales have been doing. Sure. Um, existing home sales, of course, is really important because... It's a leading indicator. It's a leading indicator. Um, yeah, what's what the overall health is in the in the housing economy. It also tells us how comfortable you are to sell your home and buy a new home. Um, by the way, this is, that's a very stressful thing to do. Um, and when the market's especially tight, it's really difficult to have the confidence that you could sell your house and buy a new home. Um, an existing home. I shouldn't say new home because this is a this is a delineation here where this data set that we're going to talk about for a few minutes here is totally separate than new home sales. A new home never lived in before. Those are all calculated on metrics all their own. Existing home sales are taking that pre-owned home. Somebody's lived in this house before, and so we want to we want to take track of what the volume is of these homes selling. People say, well, existing homes are up. Existing homes are down. What part? <laughs> Prices of existing homes? Marketing time? Months of inventory? Or units that are selling annually? These are all metrics of existing home sales. And um, like I said, I came across and was able to compile some stuff this week that gives us a little bit of a look back on what's been going on for the last several months in existing home sales. So... Just dive right in. It starts back in April. Um, existing home sales had a pace of 5.45 million. Um, that's a seasonally adjusted number. So um, March, it was 5.36. So there's a pretty good little bump there and some increased volume. Um, some data about what parts of the nation had um, the greatest uptick there in those metrics. We don't need to get into that for purposes of this conversation. Um, during that time, um, the median home price was $232,500. That was up 6.3% year over year. Um, and also there's a little bit of a reading there. It says the, the first time home buyer was 30% of transactions in March and popped up a little bit to 32%. Um, in April. Okay. So then we bump up to Memorial Day. Existing home sales went up um, 18% to 5.51 million units. That was the best pace we'd seen increase in all of 2016, the best pace since February of 2007. So now we're seeing that the volume of existing home sales are selling at one of the highest volumes that we've seen in quite a while. 
the median home price was up to two thirty nine seven. Okay, you remember I gave you the the stat before we were at two thirty two five. So we saw just about a four point seven percent year over year increase um, when we hit June. The pace, I think this is the high water mark for the year, is 5.57 million units. So, again, just to recap, 5.45, then we bumped up to 5.51. Now, in June, we're at 5.57. We see this momentum now. We we set the record in the previous month of the, the highest volume of existing home sales that had happened since um, 2007. And now we're, we seem to just be shattering these record, records from one month to the next. Um, so June was 5.57 million units. Um, and let's see here. Then in August, existing home sales fell a little bit, 0.9%. Tight inventory began to kind of choke out some of these gains that were made. The median price made it over $240,000, which represents a 5.1% year over year increase. So we're seeing each time, too, that the year-over-year um, year value of these homes is also going up. And, and this, it's, it's interesting because we usually explain the increase in prices year-over-year year due to that tighter margin. Well, we learned in the previous months that even when the volume of existing home sales was growing, so was the price. We also learned then when the volume of existing home sales shrunk, so grows the price. So um, anyway, August was a little bit of the fly in the ointment there. We saw existing home sales drop 0.9%. First-time home buyers took a step backward. They were 31% of all sales. Um, but strong job growth and low mortgage rates um, are pumping up demand um, in Labor Day existing home sales went up 3.2%, and um, that was one of the better gains. Uh, we see that um, we're at a, a 5.47 million. Um, the median home price was up 5.6%, and first time home buyer a fair showing at 34% of all sales, um, and which is a big improvement from the 30, 32, 31% we'd seen in months prior. So kind of tying together a little bit like what Dan said when we were on the phone with him a minute ago about the people buying these homes. Um, and I think this is true in um, existing home sales as well as new home sales is that that the first-time buyers out there and still making up almost their predictable amount of transactions. Um, and so... Can I jump in and interject here? So yesterday on CNBC, there was discussion about the housing market next year mm -hmm. and, and some predictions. And it's the the expectation is that first-time home buyers' share of, of transactions is going to increase to... Excuse me, to about to to fifty percent or so um, next year. That they really believe the first time home buyer is going to surge, and they think that um, over sixty percent of those um, first time home buyers are going to be uh, millennial, the millennial, the millennial generation. That they think this is really going to be their season, the, coming into their season of home ownership. 
Um, and, and remember, this is a big demographic. It's the largest demographic um, in our country is the millennial generation. And so them coming into to home ownership and being that force in housing is going to put additional pressure on housing. Let's hope so. Yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's good for homeowners. It's good for sellers. It's tough if you're one of those buyers. So yeah, in the uh, month of September, first time homebuyers represented 34 percent of all sales. It's a good improvement. Inventory was tight. Um, only 2.05 million homes on the market nationally, which represents a four and a half month supply. So nationally, if you take the amount of homes that are for sale divided by the pace at which they're selling in a month, we have a four and a half month supply. A healthy supply, by the way, is determined to be six and a half months right now. So then we got some October numbers. October shows existing home sales rose 2% to a seasonally adjusted rate of 5.6 million. Um, September's numbers were also revised upwards slightly. Um, but that um, increase there for the month of September also brought the median home price rose again, 6% year over year. The inventory of homes for sale nationally dipped from October was 2.05, September was 2.02. So 2.02 million units for sale on the market at the current pace represents a 4.3-month demand. Um, And again, six and a half months is determined to be a healthy amount of inventory on the market um marketing time ticked up to 41 days from 39 the month before first time home buyer is 33 percent of all sales um and so there's a there's just kind of a a a brief look back of what ultimately constitutes about a six-month look at what's been going on with the inventory what we see is Um, There was only one month that you had a decline in existing home sale volume. The rest of the months were all up more than a whole percentage point, Um, you know, which, again, makes that one month kind of stick out as an anomaly. Throughout all of that, we saw upward price pressure across the board. These next six months, I think, will be a little bit more interesting to look at. You remember last June when we had rates sort of made a little pop, um, we saw volumes and almost little soft spots and kind of reminded us of that the housing market might be a little bit more frail than the confidence that we tend to give it. Um, and, you know, we've been talking about this post-election now here, but um, the bond market has been kind of struggling to figure out what um, I say struggling. They seem like they're steadfast path to higher rates. Um, I feel like it's a little bit knee jerk and I'm not convinced that it's all warranted. So I'm actually expecting that once the dust settles and we get past the initial shock of all of this, that we might actually see easing of rates a little bit, maybe not as low as they were, but not as high as they are and certainly not keeping them on the path and trajectory that they're on right now. But, um, Existing home sales, as a as you look back over the six-month period, it's hard to argue. Those are tight numbers. Um, when we go back and talk then, like the first hour, we're talking about new construction. Some of the, the, the what the nation needs is more affordable housing. Bad news, you guys. There's a lot of constraint on making affordable housing in the U.S. Some of it, red tape, 
some of it, these fees, these review committees, all these coastal the corridors and view sheds yeah. and the timing I, the, the the carry costs like you're saying yeah all of these things <clears throat> add into it and and complicate it at the same time the uh the options running in parallel with it are a dwindling existing home sales supply a less than healthy amount of home sales on the market or homes available on the market to be sold the first time home buyer is i would argue Right in the spot where they're supposed to be, um, the millennials are poised to make a showing here going forward in the next few years. They're hitting the right age and, um, you know, years on job and all these things. They're ready now to get into the home buying market. We've seen most loan products across the board have reduced their down payment requirements, and we've found creative ways to even minimize the cost of mortgage insurance for those people that have less than 20% down. And um, we're going to see all of that. All of these things um, make me think that these are going to be, we'll look back and say that this is when housing was more affordable. This is the affordable time? This is affordable. <laughs> I I tend to believe that as well. I think when you've got a large population of people that are just getting to home buying season of their life the and we're already not meeting demand that that's gonna that's gonna put upward pressure on prices um you know there you can debate this but i i think it's generally accepted that buying real estate is not dependent on rates interest rates don't really change people's desire to own homes i mean it, it does obviously impact affordability but people usually they're buying because they feel confident in their job. They they want that stability. They have a life event, like they've gotten married or they're they're um, you know pregnant with a, a child or something like that, and they're ready to form that family unit. and And that's a reason to buy a home. There's those kinds of things that that get people into um, home ownership. What a great reminder of it this week that these rates. It feels like a shot across the bow to me. I see these rates pop up a little bit. It's like, okay, now we're going to be tested a little bit because we've prided ourselves in keeping overhead low and not being wasteful and and being appropriately staffed and all these things. And now we might go through a season where with rates popping up a little bit, some of the refinance market going away, are we positioned well as a company? Um, We might be tested. And like I feel good about everything we've done to keep ourselves on a path to survive some kind of market correction. Um, anybody in the mortgage business, if you haven't thought that um, some correction was coming, you foolishly failed to plan. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I've been having some of these conversations with clients that they call and say, you know, if you knew that in the last week of October, you could get a three and a half percent 30 year fixed. And now you're looking at a 4% 30-year fix. That's upsetting to you. But this week I met with two first-time homebuyers that came in. And when they learned that they were getting a 4% 30-year fix, they thought that was phenomenally low. So always have to remind yourself that the um, it's all about perception. I had another guy... Where we did, we were engaged over a 15-year fix where the interest rate was close to 3%. 
And the no points interest rate this week on the 15-year fix was pushing to three and a half for this particular scenario. It was a cash out refi. Uh, but anyway, we were having this conversation and, and he ultimately made the remark to me of, well, I guess I shouldn't even be squabbling about rates below four. And I thought, ah, it's a great perspective. Thanks for having that. Um, because not everybody has that perspective. Not everybody remembers that um, years ago rates were in the double digits. Um, but yeah, it's it's a perception thing. I agree with you. I don't think interest rates ultimately have the the final say in whether or not you're going to make an investment in real estate. Um, for the people in transaction when they move, it can cause a little bit of stress. There was an interesting study released this week um, about interest rates and the refinanceable population. Um, talking about this little jump in interest rates and how many people it eliminated from being a, being a part of the refinanceable population. So I'll use that as a teaser for this commercial break. Jim, you look ready to hit go. I am ready to hit go. All right, we're going to do a commercial break, guys. We'll be back in a couple minutes here with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. While the merry bells keep ringing. Happy holiday to you. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. It's the holiday season. All right, guys, welcome back. Is coming round. 
I'm not even ready at all for I'm so not ready. No. And it's already the 10th. And I got to say, usually I'm a, I'm a pretty Christmassy dude. Really? Yeah. yeah. I like Christmas. I like it too. It's, it's, it's great... looking like Christmas outside our window. Yeah, it feels wintry around here. Yeah. Although yesterday we did Winter Wonderland in Atascadero. Uh-huh. I didn't see either of you guys there. No, I wasn't yeah. there. It's Sorry. a pretty massive event. Is um, it cool? Yeah, it really is. We and we we hold the office open because mm-hmm. it, we, our office in Atascadero is right off of Sunken Gardens, mm-hmm. which is right in front of City Hall, the big park. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought in fifty fifty tons of snow. Cool, or fifty thousand tons. Anyway, they brought in an, a massive amount of so they made a That's sledding cool. hill. Oh, awesome. Right next to City Hall. That'd be fun. But they had a Santa uh-huh. bounce houses and vendors and on on East Mall right in front of our office they they sort of cordon off this area with fencing mm-hmm. and then they pile a mountain of snow there. And then the kids can go in there and like have a snowball fight. Yeah, it's fun. Right down the road too though, the um a town has its own indoor um like skate and scooter park so they mm-hmm. did a um a little display where they brought out some ramps there was guys doing backflips on scooters mm-hmm. in the street it was kind of crazy but altogether i mean it's a it's a pretty epic community it's, event it's and a good event yeah. so many people go out there for winter wonderland so we hold the office open since we're right cool. there um where you could like come in like out of the cold, we have hot chocolate and some apple cider mm-hmm. and cookies, whatever. Like, come and use the restroom. Get out of the cold for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, mm-hmm. it was so cold that night. It was absolutely freezing. Mm-hmm. Last night, it was like 62 degrees because of this awesome. kind yeah. of pineapple express storm yeah. we got yeah. going on. So there wasn't a whole lot of people wanting to get in out of the cold. It was really a nice evening. Well, that's good. Yeah. We do a lot of good holiday stuff. That one's good. Vine Street in Paso is good. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, Yeah. tonight's uh, the big night for everyone to get up there and go walk it. You can see Scrooge's house. I got other things going on, so I won't be there. But that's always Mm -hmm. a fun one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go take a walk through there. That's a a good event. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so anyways, I started to say I am usually all in for Christmas. I'm a pretty Christmassy Mm -hmm. guy. I'm not ready right now. I've yeah. not set up a single <laughs> Christmas thing at the house. We wow. don't even have a tree yet. I need to do the lights. I'm actually hosting a little holiday party for yeah. one of my networking groups at my house on yeah. Tuesday night. So I have all this pressure on me to get a tree, to get a tree and put some <laughs> lights up and do some yeah. stuff. But um, Well, maybe yeah. I'll see you at the tree farm today because I'm getting mine today. Awesome. So there it is. <laughs> yeah, but man, yeah. this one really just snuck right up on me. I was yeah. I was not ready for it. After today, though, I watched Miracle on 34th oh, Street this week yeah. with my yeah. daughter. She hadn't seen it before, and she's, yeah. she's yes. just about turning eight. So these things are all, she's like, Daddy, I want to watch a Christmas movie. Yeah. Okay. Did you watch the original or the remake? Um, uh, the, the colored remake of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it was, good, though. It was good. Yeah. We, we enjoyed then... it. And that's wonderful life was on TV the other day too. Mm. I love that one. That's love my that favorite one, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, Dan. Yes. Before the break, I was going to tell you about this Black Knight article I read about um, refinancing. Yeah. The are there a lot of people out there that still have high, higher than market interest rates? Funny you should ask. 
Um, it's estimated right now that actually two million borrowers could save two hundred dollars per month or more. That's incredible by refinancing. That's really incredible. It really is. Um, and you know what? People That's... just not care, or maybe maybe they're so far into their loan term no, that it just I... doesn't make sense to lower the payment because they're just about to pay the whole thing off anyway. Sometimes. Sometimes they come in and they don't um, they don't end up refining. Like I'll sit down with them, we'll go through all the math, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. Yesterday I talked to a, a guy that had a um, a 15-year that was nine years in, six years to go. Interest rate on the 15-year was over five. I found myself going, well, if you're simply trying to save some money, there's not really a way to do it. You went too long. Um, but if there's any other objective, like getting the payment down, going back over a 15-year term, anything, it's some other objective to accomplish. There's a way to do it. But um, And we have the ability to um, craft a custom mortgage term for anyone between or for a mortgage that's anywhere between eight years and 30 years. So if you have a 15-year loan where you have eight years remaining, and that's maybe your reason for not getting in and getting a lower rate, instead of putting you back into a 15-year loan at a lower rate, we can put you into an eight-year sure. loan at a lower rate so that's that right. you're not adding to your time, and, and that yeah. would probably save you some money. But I was reminded again this week of a few things that um, – a few reasons why some people have not refinanced yet. Let's hear them. Well, if you had a, a second home or a rental property or something that you had a modification or a short sale on three or five or seven years ago, then maybe you sort of waited for your credit profile to rebound before you uh, were able to do a refi. So some of those people might be able to get some help. Also, a couple of the refis that I've been working on for the last couple months here have been people that did get a loan modification and they got a one of the um the harp or hamp it was hamp the home affordable modification program where there was a step remember those step loans that were being given out where it was a five-year term and you had like your rate would go up one percent in the first year and another percent in the second year and another percent in the third year or whatever as it sort of stepped back up to that market rate they brought you down to one percent but over time you would arrive back at five and a half or six so i've had a couple of those guys coming in and in fact that's one of the new loans i took this week um but i had another gal that had a first, second, and third. And um, the second and third are adjustable. And so going through the last few years with those adjusted very low, felt that it was a best practice to not do anything with them and enjoy the adjusted lower rate. But as you mentioned earlier, if you have a home equity line of credit or something like that, those are those are almost always tied directly to prime. So when the feds raise rates next week by a quarter of a point, your interest costs will literally go up a quarter of a point overnight. And on some of those loans, that that might be, you know, 50 or 100 bucks a month depending on on the deal. So how much the balance is and that kind of thing. So anyway, there's there's some people out there. Um I recently got a new house. I sold my house and bought a new house. You know, the guy I bought my house from, he got it new in 2006. And the sales price that I bought it from him was the exact price he bought it for hmm. on the dollar. 
So he treaded water on that place for 10 whole years only to break even. In fact, didn't even break even because he ended up having to pay realtor commission on it, basically. Um, but so that's that's another reason why someone may not refi. Maybe it's taken 10 years for you in this county for your value to return where it was if you bought your house in 2006. Um, but anyway, this study about 2 million borrowers who could save 200 or more dollars per month um, shows us that there are still plenty of people out there. This doesn't even take into consideration people that could lower their payment by reducing their mortgage insurance or eliminating their mortgage insurance. So um, I know there's been talk on our show and out there in the in the general media that interest rates have increased. They've not increased yet to the point where refinancing no longer makes sense. Um, yes, there are people that have been eliminated from the refinanceable population. <laughs> your, if your interest rate was 3.875 um, and you have no mortgage insurance and you're you're in a pretty good boat. Six months ago, we might have been able to get you a pretty good refi, but today you're probably going to sit tight. So a general call then again to people, if you've got an interest rate... That's, you know, in the four or 5% range, or you have an adjustable second, a line of credit, a home equity line of credit against your house or mortgage insurance. This could be the tail end of that opportunity to get in and get that stuff uh, refinanced and taken care of. Um, the other thing that, you know, is, is new again is we're starting to see more cash out refis. When I get a refinance application um, now, it's generally from a borrower. If you don't have one of those previously mentioned circumstances, some of these people now, they just want $30,000 to um, take out and do a kitchen remodel or to uh, redo the bathrooms and kitchen or whatever. Uh, there's a There's opportunities to do things like that, of course, now that uh, these home people's home equity have generally increased now. Um, by the way, how much do you hate that uh, cash call commercial about your home is your bank? Yeah, that's. I heard that for the first time and thought, how irresponsible to be coming off of a time when so many people got in trouble for using their home as a bank. Right. Their their way to pay for the toys, pay for pay for things that. We're luxuries and not. And today, today I hope that the average consumer is so much more savvy that you would be you would be offended by an ad like that. I was, and not just because I do loans for a living, but I was just like, really, pay off. I mean, it was like, pay off your car, pay off your credit cards. Why would you be paying more? Your house is your bank. It reeked of greed is what it felt like. Oh, my God, did it ever. And I, because I tell people, like, if you come into me for a loan today and say, I want to pay off my car, uh uh-uh. I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to try pretty hard to talk you out of that. It's an easy mistake to make, right? Because your car payment's 500 bucks a month. And there are months where... That car payment could feel like it's choking you out, but but it only people, lasts for five, six, seven years. Yeah, and do not make short-term debt long-term debt. Do not make your $25,000 car a 30-year debt that's going to end up costing you $50,000 because that car is going to be dead and gone. I guess the only exception would be if you came to me and said, 
I need to do a cash out refi. I'm going to take $25,000 to buy this classic hot rod or like the Volkswagen 21 window. I'm going to probably like, you know, at least inside be raising my eyebrows a little bit at that investment strategy. But because maybe because really, if you need to take 25 grand out of your house to buy a classic car, you might not need the classic car. But that's just the the conservative in me not wanting to to see you make yeah. bad financial it's decisions. Generally, not a good idea. There are circumstances where it can make sense, but well, and for me, honestly, if you had a good exit strategy, like for example, you own a house in Cal Poly, you you work at Cal Poly, you own a house in Slow, and you know in two years you're moving because you're like going to a new college in new york or something and you're gonna sell your house here then maybe now yeah because when you sell your house you would pay off the car with that money anyway whatever you got going on there's some exit strategy to it i can start to get on board with that but if you're just a guy that made a hasty decision on black friday and bought a fifty thousand dollar truck and now you're in here saying i need to pay this thing off because this payment you know, I I can't afford to go to my bowling league because my car payment's too big. Whoosh, that's a that's a tricky thing. So when I heard that ad, that's like, why would you be paying your credit cards and why why not pay off your car? Your house is your bank. I was like, man, that is greedy. And I hope everybody that hears that ad recognizes that that is a company that is not partnered in their local community with people trying to raise financial awareness and and help kind of create long-term wealth that is those are that's not the right marketing message i feel bad enough on our show when i say um you know as i'm kind of calling people to refi i worry that sometimes people think it it comes from a position of greed um don't get me wrong this is a for-profit business and we want to do refis and stuff for people where it makes sense for you where we can make money that's how we make our living However, it needs to make sense. And, and you know, there, thankfully, there's enough opportunity in this business where we can we can objectively give people counsel. And plenty of people call us. We could get calls right now on the show from people that have called throughout the years and said, all right, well, I'm checking in. And they get off the phone with having received the advice that you should keep what you have. You know, we don't. I I don't ever do loans where I'm the sole recipient of benefit. It's one of these things where it's a you need it and I'm happy to help you or we don't do it. So, yeah, I thought that ad was greedy and gross. So, yeah. Final break of the hour. What say you, Jim? Let's do I it. I said let's do it. Do it. All right, let's do it. We're going to uh, – Final break here to take some time and thank the sponsors. When we get back, we'll have another uh, quarter hour here of Mortgage Matters. Stick around. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Blending. Central Coast Blending. When you buy or refinance a home. Just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Said the night wind to the little lamb. Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb, do you see what I see? A star, a star, dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. All right, everybody, welcome back. With a tail as big as a kite. Nothing, you know, Andy Williams just does it. He's, he's a lot of classic Christmas songs. He's awesome. Do you hear what I hear? Now when I put um, Christmas music on my Pandora, because that's how I do it. Michael Buble is it's it's wonderful. all over. It's and really sometimes yeah. I'm like driving and I hear the singing and I'm like, man, that's like an yeah. old Rat Pack crooner. And then you look down and it's Michael Buble. Buble yeah. Weird. Yeah, have you, have you heard him do A Holy Night? Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. It's wonderful. Don't you have that? Um, Maybe let me next see. week. Save yeah. it for next we'll week. We'll save it for next week. We but are going to be here next week, you guys. Yeah. We're, that'll be the last show of the year. Um, see if we can dig out Dan and Mike's predictions from last year and see how close they got. Maybe we'll make some new predictions this <laughs> this coming year. Um, I think we made the sh- Those probably made the shuffle. From the old building to the new. So maybe we have that still. Well, yeah. we probably have it. We do. Too. Yeah, you probably have yeah, it still. Yeah, maybe send me some MP3s. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'll try to get them on. You're, it's okay to predict how much, but you're never supposed to predict when. So when we keep trying to do this, we're setting ourselves up for failures. We're picking the win. We're trying yeah, to. Yeah, we're picking the this time next year. Right. Yeah. It's so hard. That, that's, a, that's a difficult thing to. Uh, Try to guess. Um, oh, that's what. Keith Bird's team. I saw they did a little overhaul to the blog portion of their website. Yeah. there There's a lot going on there. And those guys continue to be head down in that stuff, keeping it relevant. And I know right now, like I just was reading yesterday, there's a, there's a mix-up between um, 
you know, they're shifting to these more regional listing services, basically. And so all the realtor websites where you go to look at listings and it sort of aggregates the county's listings for you, those can be coming from a variety of sources. And because of some of these rollovers and the change in format, some of these websites are going to be going through some rough patches, Hmm. especially agents, as I understand it, agents that work between South County, San Luis, and North County, Santa Barbara. That's going to be a tricky little thing um, to see. But Tanya, who... um, Keith's daughter, she she actually does quite a bit of the work there. I, I got an email from her this week that showed um, she went through some data analysis about what 2016 did. 2016 is on track to exceed the number and volume of sales as seen in previous years. Through November, because, of course, December's not over yet, but through November there have been 3,487 sales in 2016. Um, In 2015, the total year, there were 3,743 sales. Um, So December, if December has fewer transactions than it did last year or the previous year, which it won't, it's going to... It's going to exceed them. Um, we're on track to break volume um, for both of the preceding years. Those transactions are taking into account new home sales as well as existing home sales. But it's pretty nice to know that this economy in Slow County is healthy enough that the volume of sales is growing. That's, I think, an encouraging thing. When you talk about real estate, it's common to talk about the number of transactions that happen, but here's a, get your calculator out. You could do some math here on seeing uh, what the price increases were, but um, yeah, anyway, the total volume of in 2014 for Slow County here was $1.75 billion. and in... 2015, it went to two billion. You don't need a calculator. This is dollar volume. Dollar volume transactions. of transactions in gotcha. Slow County, and in 2016, if the pending transactions go through the way we expect, and of course you don't know the the final contract terms until they're posted, right? You have some an- anonymity as a buyer and seller in that transaction until it's consummated. Two point two billion is the projection, so it's up. You know, what from two billion to two point two billion, what is that? One percent or two ten percent? That's ten percent. Yeah, ten percent. Is it get too many zeros in there? I start getting confused. <laughs> anyway, you you could kind of make some radical assumptions just about what the value of real estate has done simply by looking at this metric. 14, we had 1.75 billion, 15, 2 billion, 16, 2.2 billion. You're almost able to just say, hey, if you own a house in the county, you're sort of, you could probably apply that percentage almost across the board. Um, And let's see here. um, In October of 2015, so... More than a year ago, the uh, California Association of Realtors projected the median home price increase for 2016 to be 3.2%. And 
the statewide increase ended up almost double, 6.2%. That's nice that they underestimated it, isn't it? Uh, This show is a friend to realtors. Realtors, we love you. Hasn't it always been a good time to buy? It has. It's always a good time. It's always a good time to buy. There's never been a better time to buy or sell real estate. Right. (laughs) And so it's nice to see that CAR put out a metric that actually proved to be remarkably conservative in terms of what your real estate value did if you heeded their advice and bought real estate under the assumption that it would be um, going up 3.2% in the calendar year, you were nearly um, double expectation. And um, anyway, they've predicted, so we'll square up on this one at another date, but they've predicted the median home price in slow county for next year will increase at 4.3%. So they've actually pushed up their projections on the year over year of what prices would be looking at for this coming year. That's exciting. Um, Of course, we'll have more to report on that as we go, because I'm sure we're going to be doing this show in a whole other year. We were inked. We got the contract signed. The contract is done. Yeah. So we got the studio... The studio booked from 9 to 11 Saturday mornings for the next year at least. Yep. yep. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. And the Mother Mouse are back through another it's contract great. too, so we're going to be good. Cool. Yeah. As, as much as I love the show, mm-hmm. you know, there's a there's a relationship here between like having a Saturday morning mm-hmm. to not get up and race down here to slow and do the show <laughs> with you guys. But I do enjoy yeah. it. I really do enjoy yeah. it. No, it, it, it's a good time. It is good. I like getting up and coming in here on Saturday mornings and doing these shows. It would be nice if there was a way to pre-record it, but uh, then you don't get the calls. You don't get the calls. It's not as up to date. I mean, this is live. Yeah. And what? I mean, really, it's a lot of it's a lot of sacrifice to be here and to do it. When the radio station, when we heard that it sold, I saw this email said something like, you know, Eldorado is selling some stations and they're, they're closing some and, you know, it's unclear right now if all the programming is going to make it over. And there was a small part of me that was like, well, I'm not a quitter. I don't, I don't quit things right, wrong or otherwise. Yeah. I'm, I'm a very committed person. Well, I didn't even know until like. Two weeks before, if I even had but a job. So there was a real so, small you know, part of me yeah. that said, you know, if they remove our ability to do this show, if, uh-huh. they, if they literally cut us off and we have to stop, yeah. that wouldn't be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then, okay. and then actually when they, yeah. when they came on and said that they were not only wanted – us to continue on, right. but they were really excited to have Saturday morning programming yeah. remain intact and then yeah. hopefully grow some. And of course, we're here and they're proving that actually. We're, not, we're on 96.5 FM now, too. And also, they're doing uh, football uh, during the football season. Oh, nice. So it's really, it's have really there great. Been, have you heard those? There any other shows that are. Um, trying to not right in. now, but I know, I know there was talk of a wine show for a while mm-hmm. and that would, 
Uh, How sure can you talk way. about wine yeah, yeah. on the radio for hours? They do it really well down the hall at our station down there. Is that the crush? And they actually bring in yeah. wine and... And so I, was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. mind if you guys I stuck was, around and, you hey, know, we tasted after the show. You, how can you talk about mortgages <laughs> for hours on end? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's ultimately what I was trying yeah. to make the joke in jest yeah. is that. Um, yeah. They might even say, unless Jason. Unless you've listened to this show, yeah. people are like, yeah, that must be enthralling. Like two hours of people talking about real estate, yeah. economics, mortgage. Um, but then, I mean, obviously we're a, a pretty broad listenership of people and, um, and I know that our message gets out there. I mean, we, we also, it's hard for me to be able to quantify exactly what it translates into, but, um, I yeah. mean, part of our business is, is because of this show and, um, you know, it's a chicken or the egg thing I know, but, um, it's been a great thing for our business and really we are, our message has been the same all along for eight years of doing the show. We're wanting to, we want to have an educated consumer that yeah. the people in slow have a resource available mm-hmm. to them where they can see without the posturing of guys in suits, you know, with the info in a chokehold, we're trying to be out here every week bringing little tidbits to our own community here about the fact that these are things you can and should know about so that when you make these super important transactions, Mm -hmm. you have a little bit more savvy to be able to um, protect yourself. And likewise, uh, we're so confident in our brand and our ability to compete in that space. I am never hesitant to say if you are holding a quote from Wells Fargo or Cash Call or Quicken, you know, whatever. If you if you fell victim to the Rocket Mortgage ad or whatever and you um, got to believe somewhere, because some people really do think that those big companies have some kind of competitive edge over a company like ours. And, in fact, it's exactly the opposite. So, again, I'm never – I never lack the confidence to say if you've – if you are inclined or working with one of those other companies, if you're inclined to get a second opinion or let us quote it for you to begin with, uh, we regularly um, beat that competition quite severely. I mean, we wouldn't be in business here if we weren't. And then additionally, if especially if you're in a purchase transaction, the realtors in town here, they generally insist that you're working with a local agent. Um, I sold my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, it closed last month, and um, the buyer of my house used Quicken. Yeah. And I was on pens and needles the whole way through. Quicken's a bank that we actually are approved with. I can give you a Quicken loan if you want one at a better deal than Quicken can give you. Um, but it's a huge bank, and they're not here. So there's some stuff about our local economy and community and just things that I I want my lender to be able to know. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, we're here and we're local and, and it ties together with this show is that, um, we couldn't be doing this show for eight years if we weren't doing people right. And we weren't saying how we do it. And, uh, I mean, cause people can call us a live show. You could call and say those things you read about on the internet about the other companies. Oh, well they lied to me or they switched the deal or they were late. You know, we come on here and we say, we don't have late escrows. We don't shift the deal on people. 
Uh, we are not in the business of being deceitful. We're, we live in this community. We like that commercial that we wrote, you know, I see you at our kids baseball game and I pass you in the grocery store. That's all real stuff. And I pride myself that we're able to look you in the eye and, um, and know that we're, we're doing this business the right way. So you might see you at Spencer's, a local grocery store. Just might. Yeah, there it is. Um, a very high likelihood of yeah. seeing Dan at Spencer's yeah. since it's I right like down Spencer's. the street from him. Yeah, and I'm is, sad no. that my Spencer's went yeah. away. But anyway, um, so yeah, guys, if you need loan help, if you're involved in a rocket mortgage transaction or something like that, and you want to bring that down to earth and do business with the real guys, um, give us a call. It's Central Coast Lending 543 Loan, which is 543-5626, or the website, which is centralcoastlending.com. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll be back next week for the last episode of 2016, uh, where we'll review the projections and make some new ones. So thanks, guys. Have a great week.